You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So, seriously, I I I want to be I want to be careful with putting this out this morning because I don't want my own flesh to pour into this. But I've had I've just had a major concern, I guess. Um, I've had a lot going on in my heart about the conversation we're in the the tone, really, of a lot of what I read and I hear in everything that's going on in our country, whether it's about the pandemic, whether it's about locally, there are a lot of issues with land use and with different things. I've had, I had four conversations uh, just last week with people who were struggling with various aspects of uh, current uh, government regulation and control. And, um, and, and they were legitimate. I mean, they, they were legitimate concerns. There are a lot of legitimate concerns out there. There's a lot of room on all of those uh, subjects for people to have differing opinions. And that's always kind of been the heart of our nation is that people could have differing opinions, but they, they to a big degree, not 100%, of course, because we're human beings, they still held one another with respect and they addressed one another with some respect. I honestly think that the fact that we can sit behind our computers now and, uh, and address people not face-to-face, I'm not sure we're mature enough to handle that. I'm not sure that we have the quality of character that we need to be able to handle that at times. Uh, I, I was thinking the other day as I was reading some things that people were saying to each other and the way that they were saying them. I mean, just just truly demeaning, angry, horrible stuff. And And I was thinking that, you know, we need to all be put back on the playground for a while so that when we get that far out of line, if you get that far out of line, you end up with a bloody nose. So there's some, you may not think that's very pastoral. But, you know, it's like, how is it that we can talk to each other the way we're talking to each other today? And again, I expect it from the world, okay? But when I see Christians entering into it, and there's no question in the conversations that I read and the things that I look at, you know, I I do see a lot less of it out of believers than I do out of the world, for sure. I just, my responsibility is not all believers, but my responsibility is us. And I just want to be sure that we are not exchanging um, the life and the power that God has given us and the the assignment, the, the, the holiness and the weight of the assignment that we have in the earth. We're not exchanging that by by getting into fights and and tones and exchanges that are way beneath what God has called us to, that are just far beneath us. And that's what I want to try to address this morning. I want to try and encourage us to remember who we are when we're interacting. And, And again, 
I, I look across the board at the variety of voices, voices I agree with and voices I don't agree with. And that's my privilege, like it's yours. But I see a lot of the same, uh, the same things coming through. I see a lot of fear coming through on all sides. And we'll probably talk about that. I see a lot of anger coming through on all sides. I see a lot of devaluing those you disagree with coming through from all sides. It's not just one, it's not just the side that you oppose that's doing that. And that's what we like to think. It's just the other guys that are doing that. It's not. If you take a step back and you look at it and you look at some of what's going on, all sides seem to be functioning in a tremendous level of fear right now. We have people out there that are, you know, if you take, uh, and I'll say this, this pandemic did not create the atmosphere or uh, the attitudes, let's put it that way, that we are seeing. People like to blame it on that. It didn't. It just revealed them. It just revealed it. The pressure of it and the response to it has revealed, and, and I'm trying to let that, I'll say this for myself, I'm trying to be cognizant of that. When things happen or, or there are regulations put out or whatever that I disagree with, I'm trying to be aware of what comes up in my heart because that's important. That's that crucible effect that the Bible talks about, that we need to get that dross up. If I move over into anger and accusation and personal attack, well, that was in me. That's not because something happened, because if this didn't happen, something else will happen. This is not new. Having pressure from the world, Jesus told us we would have pressure from the world, that in the world we would have tribulation. That means extreme pressure, okay? But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. We have access to an overcoming spirit. We have access to a spirit that will keep us above and, and it, it will keep us in a place of having God's priorities first. God doesn't, you know, whether... whether and I say this, I love this country. I love this system of government that we have had. Is it perfect? No. Have we done everything perfectly? No. But human government is never perfect. Human government is always kind of a mess. And, and yet it needs to be here. I love it. So I don't like seeing it disappear. I don't like seeing us pushed a different direction. Nevertheless, Governments and nations have come and gone throughout history and God is not nearly as concerned about that as he is about his kingdom in people's hearts. Our assignment is bigger than our government. It is bigger than the, the law we live in. And I know we all like to be comfortable. We all like to have things working well. We all like that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying we shouldn't be passionate about those things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have strong opinions. I think we should. I think as believers, we will have strong opinions based on who God is and what he has said. I, th I think all that is good and acceptable. I just think that we are, getting, we are letting ourselves at times get sucked into this childish type of rhetoric and controversy. And it's way beneath us. It's way beneath our station. So what do I start to say? We have people that are not just, you know, just taking, again, every time I talk about the pandemic, people get mad at me from both sides. But, but there it is. This happened. The response happened. We don't like some of it. We do like some of it. You know, wherever we stand on that, 
uh, there are people who are genuinely not just respectful. It, it is a disease and it has harmed a lot of people. That's true. Whether you, you can't just push that aside. It's true. It's there. It's something we deal with. All right. But we, there are people who are walking in not just respect for that, but literal fear every day. And when people are in fear, and let me say before all of you who are out there who are on that type of side of things and you know you're not in fear, you're about to shut me off, don't shut me off yet, all right? Give me a couple more minutes. I'll either make you matter or not. Uh, when we are walking in fear, I don't care what our position is, when we're living in fear, we're living way below our station, we do ungodly things. Fear always leads to ungodly choices. And we're starting to act like cornered animals. Have you, have you ever, you know, if you're trying to deal with a dog that's scared, don't corner it. It will bite you. And that's what, what I'm seeing from my simple perspective looks like cornered animals on every side, lashing out at one another. That's not the way God would have us do this. That's not the way God would have us respond in this. But so we have people on that end that are not just respectful. There are those that are just respectful, but we have some that are living in fear. I grieve for that. I grieve for people for any reason, any reason that are living their lives in a place of fear. It's a sad place to be. It's an awful place to live. But not everyone who puts on a mask is living in fear. That's a dumb argument from the other side. And that side becomes just as volatile and angry and, to be honest, stupid as this side. And we have these conversations going back and forth that are just filled with innuendo. They're filled with things that aren't facts. They're filled, And it just becomes this raucous argument. We should not be in that. And I hope you're not in that. And we all have strong feelings about this. So we have people that are living in fear of the disease. That's not everyone who got vaccinated or put on a mask. I'm just saying there are people who are living in fear of the disease. There are also people who are living in genuine fear of losing their freedom. And they too have some good reasons for that. There are things going on in this country that have never gone on before. I just read, I've read people in this valley saying other people, the people who have not been vaccinated, they shouldn't be treated at the hospital. They shouldn't be allowed to be treated. Now, they don't say that about somebody who gets drunk and wrecks their car and has to go to the hospital. They don't say that about somebody that shoots drugs into their veins and has to go to the hospital. But if you didn't get vaccinated, if you didn't receive that, then you shouldn't be treated. We have some politicians saying that you should have to show a vaccination card to buy or sell. That is, I heard Bill Johnson put it the other day, it's a dress rehearsal for the mark of the beast. It's not, I don't believe it's the mark of the beast, but we're getting there, okay? But again, it's not the first time. So we have people who, for very good reasons, are concerned right now about losing their freedom and losing this form of government. There are good reasons for that. But moving into fear is not the right way to handle it. Moving into fear and anger and hatred of the other side is not the Christian way to handle it. And then we have people, and I won't even really defend this, that are afraid of losing 
politicians in particular that are afraid of losing the control that they've gained through using the pandemic to gain control. And they're acting in fear too. When I step back from the whole thing, I just see a lot of fear coming from people. And it turns into anger. It turns into aggression. It turns into hatred. That's not who you are. And that's not who I am. And every one of us, the devil is suckering us into this and into some of these fights, some of these arguments and taking us, we're allowing it to get taken down to this level of rhetoric that is way beneath us, okay? So I see this across the board, personally. I, I see this on every side. So I hope whatever side you're on, I hate the fact that we are all on sides, but whatever side you're on, as a believer, I want to encourage you today to step back, realize all of that is going to come and go, but the kingdom of God is eternal and that's our, assign- our assignment. So I want, to, I want to look at at least a couple of verses today. Um, let's get into this. This is the one that God primarily, you all right so far? Okay, let me just dump on you. That's, that's good, thank you. I hope you go home real happy. Um, so this is Isaiah chapter 30, all right, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. This translation is a little bit different than I learned this as in quietness and in confidence is your strength and, and we'll bring that out. But this translation says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. The, what, the implication here is that when we put our trust in something other than God, something of our own ability, something natural, uh, something when, when we say, Uh, oh, I I have a financial problem. And rather than first going to the Lord and making sure that our trust about that financial problem is secure in him, and then doing whatever the practical things he shows us to do, get out of debt, work hard, uh, maybe get some education, whatever it might be, God will lead us in steps about that. But first we be sure that over that financial situation, my, my trust is really in him. If we don't do that, if instead we say, I'm, I, can, I can stick this out. I will just put in more hours. I will just do this. I will just do that. I will go off. I will trust in my own ability to turn this thing or I can turn this thing around. When we do that, when we put our trust in anything other than God, this verse shows us it actually empowers our enemy. It actually, in this case, they said, oh no, no problem, God. We will take off on horses. We will flee on horses if this happens. He says, well, okay, since you chose that, you're going to flee. You're going to be afraid and you're going to have pursuers. And says, oh, we'll we'll run on swift horses. Therefore, your enemy's horses will be swift. When we trust in something other than God, we empower the enemy. And the same thing is true in what I was just talking about in all of these controversies. I don't care if it's local government stuff, national, state, uh, uh, if it's the pandemic, if it's anything else, a social or political issue, whatever it is. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't 
have opinions. We should have strong opinions based in the word. We should, have, we should be passionate about these things. But where you go with that and where your trust with that is, we are either walking, we are fighting that battle on God's ground or we lower ourselves to, to fight on the enemy's ground. When we start handling things out of our own uh, well, I can articulate a better argument than they can. I can, you know, I can be more, I can come back twice as harsh as what you just threw at me. When we get into that, again, it's a schoolyard fight. It's a silly thing. And it takes us away from our strength. Here's what this, um, let me give you these words. This is really pretty powerful. Uh, where he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Okay, this, this term repentance means, this is amazing, repentance and rest. It's, it's not just repentance as we think of it. It is freedom from strife. It is the rejection of strife. Strife is fighting, right? Strife is getting into arguing, getting into try and force your point. Strife is anger and antagonism and arguing. This term says, here's where your salvation is. Freedom from strife, rejection of strife, refusal to partner with the spirit of strife. So here's where we can see that we start, when when something comes up, strife starts to come up, and we go down into it, we start to give it back to them. We just partnered with the spirit of strife, and the only one that wins that battle is the spirit of strife. The only one that's winning all the division and the anger and the volatility right now is the devil. He's the only one that is suppressing our move forward in the kingdom of God through the garbage we're giving ourselves to. Uh, And again, I say we, I hope this is none of you, but we all know what's going on. And I don't know about you, but I get tempted. I get tempted. There's been a meme going around on Facebook that I love. That, that's something like the time where the, the Holy Spirit makes you delete the whole whatever post that you were just about to do, you know, so appropriate. I've had that happen multiple times. Used to be letters, you know, that back in the day, somebody would write you a letter uh, as a pastor. You'd write back the, the wise thing that older pastors told you was, have your wife read the letter before you send it, okay? And invariably, it was like, well, you could tone this down and you could tone that down. Then it was emails, now it's Facebook posts, whatever, texts, whatever it might be. If you stop and wait and listen, many times the Spirit of God will either change the tone. You know, we just make our argument totally ineffective when we take that same worldly, angry tone. We make whatever, you might be making a wonderful point. But you know, we've said for years that, and I think that's a Bill Johnson quote too, that that it doesn't matter how right you are. It, all the devil cares about is getting you into an ungodly posture and an ungodly attitude. That's all he cares. He doesn't care if you're right. He doesn't care if your political view is right. He doesn't care. He just wants to get you off of godliness because that's where the power is. So freedom from strife, rejection of strife, a refusal to partner. When we give ourselves into these controversies, you can address an opinion from a very good, respectful, with a good, respectful tone. You can put your opinion out there. 
I've read just recently with some of the stuff that's going on with the school mask mandate and all that. Uh, I got to read an email the other day that somebody had sent. It was so good. It just made the points in a respectful manner and a respectful tone and made the points. They were factual. They were backed up. It was great. Instead, a lot of times I see just hysteria from both sides. That just takes away the power of what you're trying to say. So freedom from strife. Don't, don't uh, a refusal to partner with the spirit of strife. This term uh, quietness, it says in quietness and in trust is your strength. Quietness here is a condition of inner stillness, security, and confidence. When you're confident, you don't have to scream at somebody. When you're confident, it's a quiet confidence. You can present your case with a quiet. And again, I I guess what I keep feeling in my heart as I say this is it's respect for the other person, even when you disagree with them. Where'd that go? We, We should have that. Okay, even when you disagree with them, there's still somebody that God values. Okay, um, inner confidence and peace despite outward turmoil. This word means to keep silent or hold your peace. Remember when we used to say that? It might have even been before my time. Hold your peace. I was just thinking about that this morning. That was a good term. Hold your peace. It meant shut up, but but. But really, when you think about it, it was sometimes I can't open my mouth or let my fingers fly and still hold my peace. And I've got to be able to hold that peace of God if I'm going to be able to hear what God is saying and get what he is thinking about this situation and, and the people involved in it. He loves every one of them. I need to love every one of them. So I need to hold my peace. And a lot of times that means shut your mouth or don't type, right? So, so it says that in this quietness, in this holding of our peace and in confidence, this word confidence, it's only used one time in the Bible and it's right here in Isaiah. So it's a special term. And in context, it speaks of complete confidence in God and God alone for salvation and deliverance from the outward forces and oppression that Israel was facing. There were outward forces and oppression coming. And this confidence meant I stand in complete confidence in God and God alone about this. All right. That didn't mean they didn't fight some battles. That didn't mean they didn't go out and do things. But this is where their confidence was. This confidence stands in direct opposition to the temptation to trust in our own ideas or ways or the power of natural weapons, political systems, whatever. Well, if we could just get the right people in government, then everything would be okay. No, it wouldn't. Never has been. Never has been. I've been loving seeing some historical quotes not hysterical, but historical quotes from the 1930s, the 1902, saying the exact, you know, you think it's coming right out of somebody's deal today. We've been here before. God's been here all along. And he's kept his focus on expanding his kingdom. All right. 
So this is nothing that we're experiencing is new. And the Lord has given us some really good uh, truth here. So it says, in quietness and in trust is your strength. Get this. This is what this word strength means. It means the power of God as displayed in the totality of his powerful acts. So what did he just say? In quietness and confidence, quietness and trust, right? Is your access to the, the totality of God's power. The power of God is displayed in the totality of his powerful acts. It's, it means the power of God that's displayed in his works of deliverance that Israel had already experienced. We just talked last week about his testimony, making his testimony our own. That means, and this is telling us, one of the, one of the avenues to take hold of the kind of power that God has released in, in his powerful acts, in his deliverance, in his salvation, in his protection of Israel, that type of thing. One of the ways to access that is we've got to have a peaceful, quiet, confident heart before him. So what this is telling me is, if I let go of the peace of God in my heart, and the confidence I have in him, I also let go of access to his strength. I also start fighting that battle on my own. And that's where it is. I have no power beyond myself if I let go of that peace. I am exchanging something that God has given me. Jesus said, peace I bequeath to you. I leave my peace, he said. Look at how he responded in these different situations. Look at how he responded to the storm and the lake. Look at how people were going to push him off a cliff and he just walks through the middle of them. That peace belongs to us. And if I exchange that for something less, I also, along with it, I can't expect, not because God's withholding, but because I stepped out of it, I can't expect to walk in the kind of miraculous power that has been given to us. Is this making sense to you? Powerful, powerful verse. Let's just look at, well, actually I have a few more for you. Um, let me give you a couple of other ones. And again, I want to make it clear. I believe we should be involved in political and social issues. I believe that we, the church, should have strong opinions. We should be passionate about what's happening on this earth. Uh, there, there are folks out there that want to tell you that, well, Jesus never told people to be involved in any of that. He just told them how to live in that. That's, that's really not true. We don't have a discourse on how to overthrow the government. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't talk like that. But what he did, it, our assignment is to disciple nations. It's to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It is absolutely societal transformation based on the kingdom in, in individual hearts. He, our, our assignment is to pray that God's will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. That's, that's societal transformation coming in the form of believers uh, moving into society and living their lives and, and moving in the life and the power of Christ and living a, a godly life. That is supposed to transform society. It's just that it's, it's not, 
we are not trusting in political avenues to get it done. We are trusting in the kingdom working in people's hearts like leaven, completely changing the environment of their heart, and then their lives changing other lives, changing other lives, which eventually, that's how societies change, is by individuals uh, being changed. So I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in any of that. We should. We just can't act like uh, Paul talked about. You're, you're acting like mere unchanged men. We can't act like that. That's, we, we lose, we exchange all of our power when we do that. All right. So our primary assignment and responsibility, and the one we'll give an account over, all right, is building our relationship with Jesus, living a Christ-like life, and expanding his kingdom in our sphere of influence. All right, so just here are a couple more verses. You can just write them down. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So that means if when adversity comes at me, I go down to that level, that tells me something. My strength is small, okay? If we faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Proverbs 24.10. When the disciples were out on the lake and in the storm and they were afraid, Jesus turned to them and said, what happened to your faith? Where's your faith? We can't live in fear and walk in faith. They they just don't go together. Um, In Luke 19.13, just rattling a few of these off to you. In Luke 19.13, Jesus said, occupy until I come. This is in the parable of the minas, okay? So he had given each one, he's distributed to every one of us, talents, resources, that kind of thing. And the assignment with that is, occupy until I come. What that word occupy means is, be busy in your life doing my business with what I have put in your life with the resources, with the money, with the personality, with the talents, with your mouth, with your words, with everything God has given to you. All right, our assignment is be busy about my business, doing my business, all right? I believe that when we get caught up in some of this stuff and we, we, we are coming out with an ungodly attitude, we're, we're entering into a place where we're no longer doing his business, we're doing we're doing our own business. All right, um, James one nineteen and twenty. You guys probably all know this one. This is so appropriate. James one nineteen and twenty. I think I'm going to read this every morning for a while. Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener. I'm ready to listen to you, and I'm not just listening to form. My response to you, I'm actually trying to hear your heart. And I do this sometimes. I actually am interested in this. I'm not always good at this, but I am interested in this. I am very interested many times in when people form opinions and think things that are totally different than I think. It's like, I really want to know, why do you think that? And especially as a Christian, I have some Christian friends that have gone to a whole different place, you know, that that believe that because Jesus went to the cross, everybody's saved, nobody needs to be born again. I mean, it's just totally contrary to what I read in the Bible. And they're people I I used to very much respect their opinions. And at one time, I mean, they were really walking close with God. And I really want to know, how did you get there? And then what do you do with all these verses? What what do you do? And I, I want to listen 
And I want to try not to argue back. I really want to hear what, what's on your heart. How did you get here? Or, or what is it? How do, you, how do you unravel all of this? Okay, so a ready listener. Be quick, the Bible says, to hear, to be a ready listener. It's easy to be a ready listener to people that agree with you. Okay, it's not easy to be a ready. It takes grace to be a ready listener. And you got to start from a place of valuing the person. I don't care how much we disagree. You stand in the same value as I do before God. I have to go back there and then I can start a conversation. So be a ready listener. Slow to speak. Again, keep your peace. Slow to speak. Slow to take offense and get angry. I didn't, I didn't pull it out. There's a, there's a great proverb in the Amplified Bible. I kind of think it's chapter 14. But anyway, it talks about he who foams up quickly and how foolish that. I love that terminology. He who foams up quickly. That's kind of where our conversations uh, nationally are right now. Foam up quickly. Okay? It, it says slow to take offense, slow to get angry. For a man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. Man's anger never promotes the righteousness that God, the right way of living that God wishes and requires. Let's look at one other passage and then I'll let you go. First Timothy chapter 2. I've just been reading this one differently lately. First, First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Again, I'm sure this is real. We're all confronted by, I believe right now, a level of political and social chaos. I believe it has a demonic origin. It's too chaotic. There are a lot of the thoughts that are being thrown out that just don't make any sense. They, I mean, life just doesn't work like that. And And so... Some of the things I look at and I go, I don't even know what your end game is with that because this is going to hurt you too. I mean, it just makes no sense. I believe that always speaks of a demonic origin when it's just total chaos. The only, um, the only common denominator is the anger from both sides and the, the volatility, okay? So, the Holy Spirit told us that we're supposed to, part of the church's responsibility is to pray for our political leaders, okay? And there's a reason for it. So here in verse one, it says, I urge then, first of all, notice this, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. All of a sudden, that word thanksgiving has been standing out to me. Because I'll just be honest with you, usually when I'm praying over leaders, I'm praying that they get saved or get, get, get removed. That's, and I don't even think that's an illegitimate prayer. I want them to get saved. You know? I want them to be godly leaders. You know? But uh, I, can, I can do the requests and prayers. I can pray for them. I can pray blessing on them. I, can pray, I mean, I think it's a blessing to get saved. Uh, but But then I saw the other day that word thanksgiving has just been hitting me in the face. I'm supposed to be thankful for these leaders. It's easy for the ones I agree with, not so easy for the ones I disagree with. And yet, so what is this about? Is this, it says, it says I, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, 
and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Okay, I got that. Everyone's really vague. I can, I can do that really well. For kings and all those in authority, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Okay, you can read that, that so they'll leave me alone. I don't think that's what God's getting at here, okay? And, and he said, yeah, <laughs> bummer. I thought this was, oh yeah, I can do this if it's gonna make my life better. I don't think that's the message here. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God's end game is not just that we have the political system that makes us happy. It's not just that that we have our freedoms, which I believe are God-given. I'm all for it. But that's not the end. That's not the most important things on, on God's tablet. The most important thing is that people get saved, that they come to a knowledge of God, that they spend eternity. Eternity is bigger than our life. Eternity is bigger than the last two years, you know? And that's where God's focus is, that he wants people to get saved. So he does want us to be able to live godly lives. When we start having government crushing our ability to worship Jesus, that is a big problem. And God generally deals with that. I mean, that, that is a big problem. But just the fact that I can't do everything the way I want to do it, the way, you know, the way I'd like to do it, that's not such a big problem in God's eyes as somebody spending eternity separated from him in hell, okay? So if my attitude toward political leaders or political subjects or social issues, if, my, if the way I'm handling even God's perspective, assuming I have God's perspective, if the way I'm handling that is ungodly in nature, it's going to push more people away from Jesus than draw them to him. So this takes some wisdom. I'm not saying I have the answers on all the ways to do this. I do think this instruction, and this has just been really hitting me here lately, this instruction is as much a key to personal character development as it is to having better government. Okay, I do believe we're supposed, I believe God wants us to have good government. There's going to be good government when he comes back. So it, it looks to me like he wants good government. But I think the bigger point here is it is a personal character challenge for me to pray this way. I have got to break through and get God's heart in order to be thankful for people I totally disagree with. Okay, can you see that? This is not easy. This is not, I, I, I really, I can only sincerely, it's only when I can sincerely pray for the good of somebody I totally disagree with that I start having God's heart in it. That's the place where, where I really start having God's heart in it. Um, but the implication is that as we do this and as our heart aligns with his, then, then people will get saved. Then the kingdom will go forth. And that is essential. And human government is a part of that. And we are supposed to be a part of praying for that. It's just that, man, to stand in this place and to be able to do this, I need grace to be able to pray this way honestly and and sincerely for people. And, and to me, that's why I believe God's been bringing that scripture up to me 
again and again lately. And it's not just political leaders. It's not just kings. It's everyone and kings and people in that place of influence. So there are a lot of areas, and I just say this to you, boy, where I need to get my heart right. I'm not just praying to change them. That really is God's responsibility. I have some good suggestions for him, but, you know, but I need to have that heart change so that I can pray. I, I, if we're not praying God's heart, what are we praying? What are we doing? If we're entering into discussions, let's use the nice term, discussions, and we're not presenting good godly points in a good godly way, and you're still going to get attacked. I mean, you're still got people, you don't read the comments after you put something good out. Just don't read the comments. So you get all kinds of, you get a bunch of people that like it, and then you get a bunch of people that, you know, want to tear you to pieces. Who cares? But if we're not doing it that way, if we're not approaching it that way at work, if we're not approaching it that way, then we're not living up. And I, and I don't mean to, I don't mean, I'm trying to quit. I don't mean for this to sound like, oh man, you know, what a burden there's grace for this. That's the thing. There's grace. If God's asking us to do something, there's always grace to empower us to do it. He doesn't ask us to do things as a challenge to our ability to get it done. That's not the way he works. There's grace. So I just want to open myself to the grace. And if I can pray that way, then I can hold my peace. I can hang on to that peace. I can stand in that place. The peace of God will start to act like an umpire in my heart, like Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says. It'll start to tell me, don't go there. Don't enter into that. You're going to lose your peace. <laughs> take this in. You know, take this in. Approach it this way. Does this make sense to you? All right. Let's stand up and pray this morning. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we stand in this in this place right now, Lord, in, in this time and in this society. And a lot of the things that are going on, they are new for us. I know they're not new for you, but they're new for us. And, and Father, as we stand in this place, we believe, Lord, you have called us to be peacemakers. Not, not, not wimps, not people that just get walked on. That, I don't think that's your intention at all. But Father, that we be able to stand in that confidence, strength, and trust, Lord, and release your ability, Father, and, and to see things in our nation that, are, that aren't of you get better and turn around. And Father, that in the midst of this, we can do as Peter wrote, Lord, that we can snatch people out of the flames. Lord, we can snatch people away from eternal judgment. We can bring people into your kingdom because we understand that really is our assignment. That really is our assignment. So I'm just going to ask this, and, and Lord, whoever in this room would agree, I, I ask you to just continue and, and even increase. Put a watch, Lord, over my lips, my fingertips. Lord, over my own heart. Lord, that help me and help us to address things in a godly way and with the power of God. We believe that your words carry an anointing to influence hearts. Our words, not so much. So Lord, we, we ask for your words. We ask for your perspective. We ask, Father, for your love for people, 
Father, for the grace to live as believers in this world at this time and be effective to influence our environment for your kingdom. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed. If you're really uh, mad at me, you can send an email to somebody else. (laughs) No, that wouldn't be right either. Yeah, Annie at rmcmchurch.org. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yeah, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and we'll be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.